Gdyantif. Gdyantif still with the energy of Yudshat. Gdyantif with the energy of Yud Alishat, which the Rez explains is also an incredibly significant day. The Rebbe tells us Yudshat is the completion of the Avoid of the Rebbe Rayats. And Yud Alishat is the first 24 hour period of the next star, of the next shlav, the next stage, Yud Aleph Shvat. Of course, especially Yud Aleph Shvat, Tafshin Yud Aleph, 11th day of 11th month of 11th year. And there was said that was the expression of Atmos, the Giloy, the revelation of Atmos. So very, very, very special Kachos tonight. I hope everyone felt Yudshvat and continues to feel Yudalashvat. And Vashkacha Pratis is an entire parak. Why do I think that Vashkacha Pratis? I mean, you should know that it's Wednesday. But I thought Vashkacha Pratis was that one of the heroes of the Rebbe for Yudshvat is to learn a parak of Tanya before Shacharit, the Chlal Rebbe, one of the heroes of the Rebbe. Every day it's to learn a parak of Tanya before Shacharit. But it's a specific hero for Yudshvat to learn a parak of Tanya before Shacharis and a parak of Tanya after Mincha. So I thought here, I mean, people that say the Chaitas before, say the Tanya the day before, before Shacharis, then they are just saying the Tanya of the day you're ready, you're ready learning a parak of Tanya before Shacharis. So a parak of Tanya and a long parak and a complex parak, and we don't have that many minutes, so I will try to give an overview. I hope you are still hearing me. So in this parak, we spend about 95% of the parak answering one question we raised last chapter, which is, what does this love want? What's her Indian? And at the end of the parak, we say, maybe more like 10% than five, we say, and where is fear included? So what is her Indian? What does she want? Because every love has a want. A love, by definition, wants. So to understand that, we bring in the quote, Ner Hashem Nishmas Adam, the candle of Hashem is the soul of man, meaning that we are making an allusion here of our neshama to the flame of a candle. And the flame of a candle always flickers. Why does it flicker? Because a candle has a natural, irrational urge to leave the wick and be subsumed in the source of all fire under the sphere of the moon. Now, why is this an irrational desire? Because it's a double suicide. Below, there's no flame. And above, this tiny little flame in the source of all fire is, is nothing. So why does she want it? Because she wants it. Because wanting is irrational. Our neshama is compared to that flame. What's the comparison? Of course, there are many comparisons between a neshama and a flame. But from this perspective, the neshama also has an equally and similar irrational desire. Our neshama wants, like the flame wants, to leave the wick. Our neshama wants to leave her wick. Our neshama wants to leave her body. And just as the flame wants to be subsumed in the source of all fire, our neshama wants to become part of the earth source of life, of all life, the Abishter. Why is this equally irrational? for a similar, though not exactly the same issue. Down here, it's the same. She's gone. If the soul's gone, the body's no life. Lemaila, the neshama still exists. 
the flame is completely nullified within the source of all fire. The neshama is like a white slate. If you could imagine a modern muscle, that definitely works. If you take a computer and you, you don't know the password, you forgot it. Someone gave it to you and they don't remember the password. So how can you unlock the password? By stripping the computer of everything. If you strip it there, she's stripped of everything. He's unlocked, but now you need to put all programs in. So, so to speak, I don't know if that's a great allegory, it just came to my head, then the Shama Lamila, she gets stripped. She's in presence of such intensity that all of her developed kaychai, seichel, midos, bechinas, all stripped down, but her energy still remains and is reformed as this Shama. So she's basically losing her sense of self completely. So why does she want it? This is her will. This is her nature. So what does the term nature mean? Nature means anything that is not rational. It's just your nature means it's above or below reason. Here, this desire of the neshama is beyond all seichel of the neshama. Where is it found? Well, let's remember last chapter. This desire is found in Chachma. And as we discussed yesterday, Chachma is that space where the Ein Sof is found because Chachma herself is super-rational. Chachma gives the most space to the Ein Sof because she has no parameters. And Chachma is the most similar to the Ein Sof. Both are beyond the box of intellect, of Seichel. Chachma is a source of intellect. She's not intellect. So within Chachma, which is super-rational, is the Ein Sof, is this piece of Hashem that's super-rational. And therefore, all of the kaychas, natural love, natural fear, amuna, bitto, mysterious nefesh, all of these five intense kaychas are all teva, i.e. beyond nature, beyond, I'm sorry, I did not mean to say beyond nature, that will confuse you, beyond reason, beyond seichel. Everything in Kedusha is in Chachma, in essence, because Chachma is this place of ultimate bitl, as we discussed yesterday, very apropos to this year's Yutzvat, where the Maimarm of the Rebbe this year focused intently on the avoid of bitl. Chachma is bitl. Chachma is Kedusha. Kedusha, a synonym for Chachma is Kodesh Ha'elyon, the ultimate supernal Kodesh, Kodesh, separate, separate from everything, one with the Abishter. Everything of Kedusha, has in it as its source, Kodesh Ha'elyon, Chachma, which means everything of Kedusha is flavored with Bittal. If something does not have the flavor of Bittal, it's from Klippa. And then the Rebbe explains the Yeshus, the, we'll call it ego, the existence, I, identity of Klippa, which is so self-absorbed, like the classical item, in our world that represents Kalipo is this blood-sucking parasite that says, have, have a halitani, give, give, stuff me up. Like Asaph said, pour down my throat this soup. The yatush that bites, that squeezes your blood, your highest, your life, and gives you nothing in return. So if you're looking at something and you're trying to discern which side it's on, is there bittel there? Is there yeshus? That's the basic discriminatory test. And then the Rebbe says, and we see this in people as well, that when people fall prey to Klippa, a Jew who falls prey to Klippa, who's a Russia, well, what happened to his natural bitl? 
Well, what happens is, Avera by Avera, your animal soul side is attacking and hijacking your godly energies. If you have a wrong love, that means your animal soul has successfully attacked and hijacked and is squeezing the kaychas from chesed of your neshama. If you have a wrong strength, it's doing the same thing to Gevura. If you have a wrong compassion, it's doing the same thing to Tiferes. If you have a wrong commitment, it's doing the same thing to Netzach. So, Koyach by Koyach, as the Averos abound, the animal gets more and more power over the godly, and eventually the godly soul is put into a state of Golos. Golos meaning it's, it's in your body, but it's trapped. It can't rule. It's, it's imprisoned. The only power really not in Golos is Chachman. Why is Chachman not in Golos? Chachman not in Golos for two reasons. Firstly, she's in the brain, and as such, a little remote from the powers of the animal soul, because the animal soul's fortress is the heart, the left side. So the animal soul's dominancy is going to be on the soul, the godly soul, in the right side of the heart. But the godly soul on the right side of the heart is the emotional component primarily, meaning in your body, the godly soul has three fortresses. The animal has one, the left side of the heart. But the godly soul, as we've discussed earlier, has the brain, where the neshama, the heart, the ruach, and the liver, the nefesh. So chachm, of course, is found on all levels of nefesh, ruach, and neshama. But within your body, the highest chachma is in the neshama. And the neshama is in the brain. So therefore, the animal soul in the heart has less dominancy over the chachma of the neshama in the brain. And more significantly, chachma is so godly. Hashem himself is found in the chachma of your neshama. The nitzutz eloki is found in the chachma of the neshama. The neshama of can't start up. Like, it's dangerous. But the neshama of power is very intense. So the rest of your soul is in Golis. In a Russia, not your soul, and the Chachma is in a state of sleep, meaning she's knocked out by the presence of such evil, but she's not entrapped, because that would mean the evil overwhelms her, which it can't. And this happens in the life and times of a Russia, until, as the animal soul gets stronger and stronger, it finally decides it's going to go for the Chachma itself, because obviously, as it's attacking and bringing you to sin. It's absorbing the kayach of each part of your neshama. So it really wants that chachma part. That's, that's, the, that's the richest, you know, that's where the fattest part is. That's the wealth of the neshama. So when the animal soul is strong enough, it's going to attack the chachma. What does it mean to attack the chachma? Attacking the chachma is a nesoyon in emunah. Attacking your understanding would be nesoyon in bina. Attacking your Integration would be an asayan and das. Attacking your emuna is an asayan and chachma. And so, an asayan and chachma is created. The chachma is under attack. The advantage of this is, when she's under attack, when she's getting poked and stacked like that, she wakes up. And when she wakes up, she's very, very strong, and she fights back. And all the powers of the chachma are now streaming forth. Natural love, natural fear, natural belief, natural bitl, natural material nefesh. And there's such an overwhelming force that all these clipas that have hardened, I can imagine these hardened arteries 
that have hardened a veyer after a veyer after veyer, layers and layers of this fast of klipa, melt. It all melts in the presence of the enormity of this emuna and love and fear of Hashem that's coming from the Chachma Vinashama. So when the Chachma's attacked, she wakes up. And when she wakes up, she fights back. And when she fights back, she wins. Which is not only is she now awake, alive, and functioning, but she's freed the rest of the soul as well. And she's vanquished those klipas. And that is the end of our explanation on what does this soul want. So let me just synopsize it, because they might have gotten lost in the shuffle of all the details, though, of course, I'm trying to give as few details as possible. My question was, what does the soul, what does this love want? She wants to be absolutely one with Hashem to a completely irrational level. Meaning the chiddush here is that love can be rational. The love of Bina, which is a developed love, like the Ava Sikhli, that love is rational. It's a developed love. It's a love which is an expression of self. It's a love which comes from one's intellect. And therefore, the love wants a rational connection to Hashem, which is an enhancement of the person. The love of Chachma is irrational. It's not about self. It's bitzel. It's a negation of self. And therefore, what the love wants is not self. The love wants a complete negation of self to be absolutely one with the Abishter. And where is fear found, and why do we need fear to be found within this love? We need fear to be found because, as we've learned from starting in Chapter 4, every mitzvah needs two wings, love and fear. A bird can't fly on one. Love motivates me to do, but fear motivates me to keep away. And as we will learn when we come to Chapter 41, fear is the foundation of my entire relationship with Hashem. So where is fear found? How do I know there's fear within this love? And the Rebbe says the fear is found in that a person has such love for Hashem that therefore he would never go against him, Hashem. But if a person has fear of losing the relationship, then even in something which is not a negation of Hashem, he still won't do it if there's any thought that this could destroy the relationship. As the author ever says, Min goya tumas If you love Hashem, you wouldn't do Avajazara. That's against Hashem. But if you fear losing the relationship, if you fear jeopardizing the relationship, then even though that's not Avajazara, that's the edge of the impurity of Avajazara, you're not doing it. It's not worth the risk. It's not worth the risk. Like, I think the example of Hannah's seventh son who refused to pick up the king's ring, the king says, the king, whoever he was, he said, I know you're not bowing to the idol. This is just a, a face-saving gesture so I can graciously give you your life. And the voice said, no way. And he got killed. Or the famous Misa with the Rebbe, that when the Rebbeson reported to the Nazis that they were Orthodox, the Rebbe went to Nazi headquarters to make sure they understood that meant Jewish Orthodox. So we should take this Hasidus on this day of enormous Chayach and we should make a difference with it. Good